Welcome to another episode of our conversation on Giants in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I'm Megan and joining me for this series is the frighteningly destructive Casey. Oh boy. Oh shit. This episode is going to focus on the variations of Ogre's D&D 5th edition that should fill every adventure with dread. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking frightening. (laughs) If you want to hear about the base Ogres as well as Ogrelons... Listen to the previous episode in this series. Yeah. It was a good episode. It was. I recommend. There's a lot of good information there to kind of get your world started on a base of what an ogre is. Uh, Blend it in with a couple of really fun things. Yep. Get you falling in love, and then this will just, like, hook you. There's even a love story. There was. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get started, I kind of want to ask, as always, uh, ogres are kind of ripe for comedy purposes. So what advice do you have for Dungeons Masters about making ogres scary again? Because we did talk last episode about how they're bumbling oafs. And you can play them as either being chaotic, stupid, or just being, you know, like endearing and just, you just want to take care of them. You know what I mean? So how do you bring back the fear factor? I, I have an idea. What's your idea? So ogres can sometimes be brought in when, you know, you're thinking the fight's over. You think that things are going well. Bring an ogre in from the depths of a deep cave dungeon, wherever, when your party has used up all their their items and their spell slots, and they are just looking for their rest spot. Yeah. And then out of the depths, there's a growl, and something's coming for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think we always forget that, yes, ogres can be bubbling oafs, but they are survivalists. Yeah. Like, they are just trying to survive the way other people are, and yet they have to do it on the outskirts. So they're hunters, they're gatherers, they're raiders, they're... Anything you really want them to be as a DM. Yeah. So if you decide that you want to make an ogre scary again, there's no reason to say why you can't. Like, make it loud. Make it angry. Yeah. Uh, make it desperate for something. If it's hungry, make it bite at your players. Yes. Uh, if it's looking for companions, make it grapple the shit out of them until it kills them by accident. Like, like don't be scared to take its survivalist aspect to it and then just amp it up to 20, and then that'll make an ogre scary. Yep. And let your players wonder what is coming first. And then have it barrel in, but with fierce, scary, like, aggression. Yeah. Not just lumbering amongst all of the other things you're fighting at the time. Exactly. Because, like, to remember, they don't... They're stupid, but there's, like, like, their intelligence is low. But, like, at the same time, um, they have emotions. So if their intelligence is low and their communication is low, it's going to be one of those things where, like, in their survivorless nature, they're going to want to, they're going to be fight you. They're going to get mad at you. So, like, that whole concept, if you make it feel stupid, it's going to come at you. Yeah. Right? Because it's going to heighten all the other emotions that it has because it doesn't know how to regulate. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be super angry. It's not going to be, like, a middle of the ground, oh, huff, cross yeah. my arms and be upset. No, its anger is going to be at an 11 because it doesn't know how to, like, you know, neutralize it. Yeah. If it's happy, it's going to be super fucking happy. Right. Because it doesn't know how to level out its emotions. Right? Yeah. I immediately went, actually, to Beauty and the Beast again, which you talked about in last episode. Yeah. Where, like, when the Beast goes and rages in his room and, like, destroys furniture and is just, uh, like, uncontrollably angry, Mm -hmm. like... At the time when I watched that, it was scary. And Belle was terrified. She ran away. Yeah. And so that's kind of the thing that can happen with an ogre. Yeah. Is, like, you can, like, you can, as a DM, play it 
as it overhears you shit talking something yeah. or and it's like what did you say and then you just hear it trying to like get to you yeah for a while like i mean to talk about love stories we did talk about darian in the last episode which is in a female ogre who has a love story backstory like could you imagine yeah. if something happened to to him you know what i mean yeah. like the rage that would ensue mm-hmm. out of the inability just to like maintain how you feel about it right? yeah Anyways, yeah, there's lots of long-winded way of saying (laughs) that you don't necessarily have to make them a bubbling brood. You can make them scary. Mm -hmm. But before we get into it, I'm going to talk about ogres in the world, um, just in general, as like a whole, and how you can operate and utilize them. But before we do, what wine are we drinking? The wine. All right. We are going so far down a rabbit hole with so many different things today with what orcs... Oh, I did it again. Call them orcs. With what ogres can do... We are drinking Havoc and Harmony because it is pure fucking chaos, but in some beautiful way. So great. So we have a New Zealand rosé today. Sounds great. It's chilled. It's chilled. Beauty. Oh, it smells good. With the perfect blend of Havoc and Harmony, this family estate wine combines everything that is great in life. (laughs) <laughs> ogres cheers <laughs> not bad not bad not overly flavorful I will say it might just be my taste buds but you could easily drink this like juice it's crisp it's very crisp <laughs> alright so I'm going to talk about ogres in the world uh, specifically more about like you know ogres being utilized as minions or even allies to ogres um, and a little bit of how to utilize them within like their urban environments so we talked about ogres in previous episode of the, in the previous episode, as we've mentioned, and here we are talking about them once again. Before we get into the deep, dark, and scariness that we want to talk about, let's chit chat about how they are utilized in the lands of D and D fifth edition. Most right. commonly, we have spoken about them as being servants to other beings, such as giants, etc. But we can also determine that they can you can be used as minions or allies, or even just henchmen in battle. Right. Or even have allies or minions themselves. Like as we saw with some ogres have dire wolves, have pets, so on and so forth. Yeah. We will deep dive into a few different kind of scary versions of ogres that would, uh, you know, make really great henchmen. But who would these ogres make a great henchmen to is what the question is. Uh, a few popular ones um, as spoken, uh, of course, are giants um, and other giant kin. But some fun, uncommon ones would be utilizing ogres as um, minions or an ally to it. A big, bad, evil guy, like, to something like a beholder. Ah. So there is a lot of history where beholders utilize ogres or other giant kin as their allies and so forth. Um, At first you'd be like, what? Let's be real. Uh, But let's think about it. Beholders are all about being trickery and they're of the mind, the mind kerfuckery. That would be really easy to control a bunch of brutes. Yeah. It'd be very easily to entice them to do something for you if you were a big, bad, evil guy with a lot of ability. We talked about wizards controlling ogres for reasons and such and such, right? Yeah, easily. And it could it could even convince them of a promise of riches yeah. or shiny things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shiny things. <laughs> we also consider other goblinoids as kin or allies to ogres, as they can be thought to be cut from the similar cloth. Mm-hmm. You know how we were talking about in the previous episode where... You don't really, in your minds, it's probably your cousin because they're very, very close to what you look like. You know what I mean? Between ogres, orcs, trolls, ex, all these things. Yeah. Um, 
are kind of looks cut from the same cloth. So why would they not make colonies work together and be allies of and work together as mercenaries and armies and all those things, right? Yeah, I can absolutely see, you know, a sea of goblins and the ones carrying the equipment or pulling the equipment or pulling or carrying rocks and wood Mm -hmm. for building would be the ogres. Yeah. Walking amongst them. 100%. But when I think of overs being allied or minions of big, bad, evil guys, like, we of course dive right back into the negative prospect that ogres are just around to kill and be killed. Uh, But really in 5th edition D&D, they're so common that they can of course be utilized as laborers or even guards. Um, As mentioned, they are not smart enough to make a life of their own, so probably don't mind being given a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, as we discussed in the new, in the next few special ogres, let's really kind of consider how they would be utilized in the world, you know? So would we think that they would be used as a laborer? Do we think they would be used as a guard? Do we think they would be used as a henchman? Do we think that they just live on their own? Like a lot of this is written in the backstory and history of the character itself, like especially when there's special ones that we really like have their own stat block. Mm-hmm. But when you're a DM, you can kind of take what creativity and liberties you want Right? So I kind of want us to really, really think hard about that when we're kind of going through a couple of the ones we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, do you think that an ogre is smart enough to know if it is acting unlawful in terms of potentially being used in criminal activity? Interesting question. No. No? No, I don't think so. No. I don't think it cares. Yeah. No, I can agree. Because, I mean, they also have low wisdom. If you, like, Mm -hmm. look at its original stat block, it's a low wisdom, low charisma, low intelligence, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't even think if you explained to it that it's doing bad. You're doing a bad. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, you're on the bad side. What does that even mean? <laughs> I, I don't think it would. I think it would be indifferent. Yeah. 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 That's how that. I'd play it. What do you think? It's like, it doesn't really care. It's like, I don't know, man. You tell me. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> no, I absolutely agree. I think it's like, um, I don't think that there's enough going on there between their eyes that it's kind of like. I don't know, man. Like, if I'm if I was if I grew up with a piece of armor on my body and carrying a great club, and I was fighting with my brethren, would I know to do anything different? Yeah, you know. And I think that's just the same morality that most people go through. It's like if you don't know anything different, then of course you're not going to think that it's wrong. And I think that's where the when we think about like um, <clears throat> alliances, like and if you're lawful neutral or if you're chaotic or whatever it is that you decide to be. Sometimes you are just that because it's what you were taught. Yep, exactly. So for, to you, you would consider yourself being, like, you know, lawful. But to someone else, because what you consider all lawful might be illegal or criminal activity, to someone else would be considered chaotic or evil. Yep. Right? Yeah, it is like like mob boss, you know? Love me a good mob boss. Yeah. You know I love a good mob boss. Yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Mob boss families don't really acknowledge that, you know, they're super corrupt and doing all of these criminal things. It's their livelihood and their lifestyle. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, we just do this because we can. Because we fucking can. (laughs) (laughs) Why do we do this? Because we can. (laughs) And if we can, we do. If people get that reference, we're gonna make, I'm going to make an ogre mob boss encampment now. Yeah, totally. That's Irish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Why? Because we can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <clears throat> so, um, I know. <laughs> I'm glad you're 
fired up because we're going to talk about a bunch of scary, scary ogres, I think, today. Yes. Right? A whole slew. Um, I did not know these existed, plain and simple, and I love them. I feel like uh, we're going <laughs> to... I feel like this is the epitome of make it scary, give it a weird weapon. <laughs> yes. Give a stupid thing a big, giant weapon. Yeah. And see what happens. Invoke fear, then reveal what it has in its hands. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Okay, so we're kicking kicking it off. We're kicking her <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. We're kicking it off with Ogre Battering Ram. Mm-hmm. So there's a story. There's a, there's a stat block for this. So... This is where your niche and your area of expertise becomes your name. Ogre Battering Ram, it does one thing and one thing very well. Mm-hmm. It carries a very, very large club used to smashing down doors or smashing targets. They essentially <laughs> are used in battles to break down barriers and then become a barrier to the enemy. Yeah. That is what they do. So when you go into the stat block, I think we're going to have a very consistent baseline for lots of what we talk about today. Yeah. Chaotic evil, large giant in size. Uh, this one, the AC is 14 mm-hmm. uh, due to ring mail that it wears. Okay. It has a decent pool of HP. We're going to see that pretty consistent, I think, with all of the the ogres today at 59. So easily defeatable. But we'll take a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and a speed of 40 feet. So an adventuring party will be able to beat it, but it can still outpace you. So got to keep that in mind. Yeah. It really only has one thing going for it. It's strength and con. Uh, it's below average on most other abilities. They're all like negative modifiers. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't need to... No, <laughs> we don't Negative. need to, dead, to beat a dead horse on that one. <laughs> they stupid. They stupid. <laughs> they, they dumb. Um, and so the Ogre Battering Ram is CR4. Mm-hmm. It has Siege Monster ability, which essentially we have seen before in some of, some of, of the other giants we've talked about, where it does double damage to objects and structures. Mm-hmm. So essentially just goes in destruction of a village, a destruction of a castle, everything that it will just try and break. Yeah. Um, it has essentially two attack actions, and that just clearly defines the role. It has bash and block the path. <laughs> Love so it. That's what it does. So bash does... A decent amount of damage, 2d10 plus 4 damage, and it can push targets 5 feet away if the target is huge or smaller. Uh, Block the path. Until the start of the ogre's next turn, attack rolls have disadvantage, and it has advantage on opportunity attack rolls that do extra, uh, an extra d10 of damage on a hit. So essentially, if you try and move away from it or through it or say, around or past it. it like on a bridge or something yeah, yeah. then um you're gonna have to do a dc 14 strength saving throw or you'll be stuck there and it will do a womp on you yeah um it doesn't apply to teleport so you can teleport to that makes sense one yeah. loophole there i like how they have to write that in <laughs> some some asshole at the table yes <laughs> Definitely challenged it. Someone went, well, what if I teleport? It's like, oh, Kevin. (laughs) Fine. Yes. Fuck, you can teleport away. 
so that's essentially what you can find in um, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes. Yeah. And there is a bit of differences in Mordenkainen Presents Monsters of the Multiverse Fair. book. Yeah. So the AC is lowered from 14 to 11. Wow. So they take away the chainmail um, and increase the HP. So it's essentially easier to hit, but you have to hit it more times. Take you more time, yeah. Uh, they gave it multi-attack with bash only. So it's, it, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then they moved block the path to be a reaction and changed its features a little bit. So now when a creature enters its reach, which is just five feet, um, as a reaction, the ogre can... Uh, make a bash attack, and if it hits, the creature's speed is reduced to zero. So instead of um, like instead of having like all those disadvantages and advantages, it's essentially if you move up to it or try and move around it, it's going to try and block your path. Yeah. So it kind of takes away that additional damage as a opportunity attack. Okay. But I don't know. I feel like. I don't mind these changes. I think it makes a little bit more sense for block to block the path to be a reaction. Yeah, because someone has to actively be doing something through you instead of you using it as a... And it almost seems overpowered to do it the other way because then if you use that as your ability, as your turn, as a DM, anyone who tries to pass you will take the repercussions of it. Right. As opposed to it being like, oh, someone's trying to pass me, you can use it as a reaction anytime. Yeah. Because then... And in then the, you're done. Yeah. Because then in the old way, if you don't basically turn that ability on for your round, mm-hmm. then people could just pass you no problem. Right. Like all of them could in one turn just pass you. Yeah. Without any issue. Unless you as the DM knew, okay, they're going to all try and pass me in this turn. I'm going to use it kind of thing. Right. Whereas if you do it the other way, it's a little bit more balanced because it can be used at any time, but only once per round. So maybe the barbarian doesn't get through, but the mage does. And then the next round, the barbarian gets through, but the bard doesn't. Right? So it's like a, you can actually cycle through and it takes a little bit more time. I think there's a little more balance to it with that. Yeah, I kind of agree on that. Um, It's... Uh, let's see, too. And it does make sense, I feel like, because it's a large giant and it only has one move, to make it multi-attack with Bash, I can just see, okay, if it's a battering ram, it's mm-hmm. trying to break down a door. It's swinging. It's swinging. Like, yeah. give it two bashes. Yeah. Like, Throw down. that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not upset by any of these changes. They're pretty subtle, but they actually make sense. Yeah, exactly. In yeah. the in the discussion around the table and how we would mod this, it's like, let's improve this a little bit. I would have been like, I concur. Yeah. It's that fine. sounds great. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Works for me. <laughs> Everyone in favor say I, because this is I. Yes, yes, I. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It is fine. <laughs> um, and, I don't know, they... <laughs> I also can see, a, like, in combat or if your home or your castle is under siege and you see a row of, say, ten mm-hmm. of ogre battering ram coming at your castle, it's going to be scary. Yeah. It's going to be intimidating. You're going to be like, oh, shit. Like, we're, we're fucked. Yeah, because so the CRs only see power four, right? Yeah. So you're looking at this depending on the size of your party, tier one or tier two. So they're not as scary when they're just on their own. But no. imagine them on a battlefield. Yeah. Right? And, and I think that's the balance people are going to forget is that, oh, they seem so weak and blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah, but that's because they're probably supposed to be surrounded by five or six of them on a battlefield. Yeah. Right? And they are they are a shield, and, like, they are going to impede you penetrating into the fray, and they're going to... Sw- <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I made a face in case you said penetrating. And it made her laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I get it. I get indeed, it. Indeed, I heard it too. Indeed, indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, and if you're, I also think of just like the Battle of Minas Tirith when you know <laughs> the the humans and like Gandalf are standing behind the door and yeah. the battering ram is smashing and everybody's like we're dying. Like yeah. we're dying when this opens because yeah. we cannot beat this. And it is, it's that banging, that heavy bang on the door, and that's their purpose. Yeah. Like, they will not, they will die smashing down the wall yeah. and blocking you. Yeah. Or even, like, because now that we're talking about combat, like, I can also see them being, your group is trying to infiltrate some kind of a fortress without a war or a battle. So they go into a deep cavern that goes underground or, like, in the sewers or what have you to go under into the dungeons or somewhat. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be tiny, narrow caverns. So I can imagine putting one of these at the door at the end. Yeah. You know, there's only one, mm-hmm. but you're in a very small space Yeah. that it can hit you multiple times and you can't necessarily pass it. Nope. Right? Yeah, like it's carrying uh, basically like a club, but it's this giant thing. Yeah. So it's not just carrying any sort of regular weapon as well. No. Yeah. Big scary weapon, mm-hmm. but still a giant ogre. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I do like the idea that, yeah, it has a lower AC, so it's a little bit easier to hit. Because, again, you're probably fighting these at a lower tier. Kind of makes sense to make it a little bit easier. But give it a good health pool so it takes them some time. And that time will make strategizing against it a little bit easier or a little bit harder. If your team kind of figures out that passing through it, yeah, is going to suck. But send your barbarian first. That will take the attack of opportunity. And then everyone else can, like, file in behind. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. I, don't, I feel like it adds a lot of good inspiration for combat and how to utilize them in that area. Yeah, and strategy. Yeah. Uh, for role-playing, though, for these guys, would you play them as, like, a, a raging brute or more of a get-off-my-lawn brute? I would play it... I would play it more, uh, like, it's upholding its job. Yeah. And so it's like... <laughs> oh, my God. You can't pass me. No, because they're going to kill me if yes. you get past me. Absolutely not. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like making it as big, like it is standing, it's like you're gonna have to kill me. Yeah, I'm here for one job and one job only. Yes. So yeah, no, I fucking love it. That's fucking hilarious. Yes. And um, they speak common and giant. Okay. I forgot to mention that. And they have dark vision, which makes sense. Of course. I think all um, I think all ogres at this point are going to have that. Yeah, so, I think yeah. that's a given. But yes, so you can talk to it. But again, it's got one purpose, one goal. If, if it's been told, do not let anyone through this door, it will die stopping. Oh my god, and I feel like if you get past it without killing it and you close the door behind you and you just hear it sobbing and crying. <laughs> oh, they're going to kill it's me. Like, yeah, they're going to be so mad. Ah, it's going to be so sad. <laughs> We gotta love it. It's so good. Yeah, pretty cool. Cool. I like it. A good variation, I would say. I like it too. All right, so I have Ogre of the Chain Brute. I'm gonna top up your wine. Top me up, barkeep. Absolutely. All right, so the Chain Brute uh, is basically your classic ogre, of course, that carries around a giant spiky chain. How surprising, Kelsey Breeze. 
Uh, I feel like that's going to be a theme for the ones that we're talking about today. And I remember I said, make how to make an ogre scary, give it a weird weapon. Yeah. Um, so the chain is so large that it is a two-handed weapon that the ogre wields. Uh, in battle, it strategically either uses a sweeping attack or a knock its opponents away for, sorry, a sweeping attack that will knock its opponents away, or it just like full-on bashes you with the chain. Like an overhead Over swing, the head like, fucking, whomp. like, battering, like, yeah, just like a eat chain kind of <laughs> attack. Um, they are considered to be a large giant and are chaotic evil. Uh, they have a hide armor, which brings them to only an AC of 11. Um, and okay. they have, an, of course, a natural stride of 40 feet. As for classic ogres, they excel in strength and con and are stupid. <laughs> uh, like other ogres, they can use their fists to fight. Um, should they drop their chain? So, of course, they have the ability to, like, use their fist to cuffs if they need to. However, if you are hit by the chain, as mentioned, it's either a sweep or what I'm going to call a bop. A bop. Yeah. Um, if you are swept, it is a 10-foot reach and all creatures in range all around it. 10 foot. Uh-huh. 10 foot in a circular motion. Like, it gave you another hand motion of, like, mm-hmm. a lasso. Yeah. So, there you go. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any creature in range, again, 10 feet, it's a big range, uh, does a DC 14 dex save. If you fail, you are knocked prone along with an average of 8 damage. Okay. If you save, it's uh, still halved and it's still half damage and you are not knocked prone. But gotcha. I feel like, yeah, you're, I, I feel like anyone who's going to close range fight you, the only ones that are going to be able to, like, save against that, like, strongly are going to be, like, your rogues and shit. Right. Like, your barbarians and who are strength and con, probably They're just going to take it. Yeah. They're just going to take they're gonna it, take like it to the champ. Chin. So their CR is three. So, again, lower tiered. So, uh, like, you know, like, eight damage is still pretty big to your barbarian that might only have, you know, less than 100 HP. Five or six of these, and you're pretty damaged, right? Um, and if you're bopped, it is still a 10-foot range, of course, on a single target. Uh, but it's a plus six to hit. Which, again, a lower tier is, is, yeah, is pretty hefty, mm-hmm. with an average of 13 damage. But you will also have to make a DC 14 con save or be knocked unconscious oh. for one minute. Oh. Which, shall I remind you, in D&D, is like 10 fucking rounds. Yeah. So here's the fun part about it, though. The ogre can continue to hit you if it wants to, obviously, while you're knocked unconscious. And if you, the only way you can repeat the save is if it hits you and you take damage or if anyone hits you. So every time, so if you are knocked unconscious, Mm -hmm. the only way to re-roll the save to become out of consciousness is for someone to like knock the sense back into you is kind of how I'm imagining it. Yes. So either it's the ogre hits you again by a sweeping motion and your body happens to be there and then you get to re-roll the save and you get knocked back into consciousness or your barbarian friend is smart enough to kick you in the head unarmed attack punch you in the face for 1d4 damage and you get to re-roll your save yeah and most parties will never do that <clears throat> they'll just wait for like the cleric to try and do something. heal you or whatever yeah. but like being knocked unconscious is not i don't think healing brings you back from being knocked unconscious right i think like in my mind anyways as a dm how i would play it is it's not healing can't do that you're unconscious because you're not because your hit points are low but because you've got your noodle knocked Yes, right. So, so someone would go up, yeah, you are correct. So someone would come up and do a medicine check to try and, like, fix it or do something. And be like, oh, they're not unconscious, slap them awake. Yeah. Like, all you gotta do is slap them across the face. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I slap them across the face, <laughs> unarmed attack, 1d4 damage, plus proficiency, phenomenal, maybe 4 or 5 damage, re-roll your save, but it would suck if you did not save again. 
Yeah. And then you just have this one person, like, on the floor slapping the shit out of you trying to wake you up. Yeah. Or <laughs> that person's there, and then it's the ogre's turn, and then you, like, you both get swept. Ugh. And then it's like, Jesus Christ, I'm trying to save you! <laughs> wake up! <laughs> like, you start shaking them up, like, uncontrollably. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's some cool shit. But that is them. That is what they are. Um... But yeah, so I, I enjoy the fact the fact that like you get knocked unconscious and it becomes a big kerfuff trying to get you to be alive again. Is there any other combat inspirations that you have from hearing about these folks? Well, and it's like the clear the clear the room type thing. Mm. Like it, it's giving an ogre a, an AOE effect kind of thing. Yeah, because it could like if it's surrounded, it could hit everyone in your party potentially. Yeah, with the sweep. So they don't really get that opportunity very often. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So we table rule no matter what campaign we're playing in that we don't do flanking. Right. So there are groups that do flanking. We're being on one side of the, you know, flanking one side mm-hmm. of each side of the creature. You get advantage on your attacks because you as a group are tactics flanking. Mm-hmm. In our D&D campaigns, we don't play with that rule. Mm-hmm. Mostly because we know that there are characters and playable like um classes that offer that ability so why give it to everybody Mm -hmm. you're not special right um but if you're a group that plays with that rule this is the kind of fighter that will like mitigate that like cool i'm surrounded great i'm gonna hit you all anyways you know what i mean like i don't doesn't matter where you are doesn't matter what side you are what kitty corn you are you're at my ankle you're at my fist cool who's gonna put my chain and hit all of you right yep and it will make everybody who can't take all of the hits jump back and then suddenly it's like only your fighter or only your barbarian going in. Yeah. Yeah. But and then if they get knocked unconscious then it's like, well shit. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I can also imagine like, um, as we're taking, but like utilizing these in different areas, again, I would use these ones in a small space mm-hmm. where a 10 foot reach is dangerous. Yes. Like in a hallway or in a tunnel where if it's swinging, like you can't get by. Yeah. You know, like, it will take you out. You have to try and get past it in one turn, but you'll go into its range. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Oh, and, like, the sound of the swing chain. See? <gasps> oh! Like, all the foreshadowing you can do as a DM. The exploration part of hearing the chain being dragged across the ground. Yeah. Oh, Casey, I love it. Yeah. Like, so oh, my God, can you imagine these things in a labyrinth? Oh, yeah. Like, it's in different portions of the labyrinth. Like, all like every all the ones are okay. Every, all <laughs> these things that we're going to talk about today could be utilized in a labyrinth. Yes. Okay, open air labyrinth, where, like, you can hear what's in the aisle next to you. 100%. It's, yeah. just, it's just shrubbery that you can't magically pass yeah. through. Yeah, but you hear, yeah, some a creature walking and dragging something. Yes. Or the, of, like, the, the chain oh, of, like, whirling around. It. Yeah, and you can see it on the, you can see it above the hedges moving around. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. I feel like I just, because, like, you know, because, like, we're into winter. We just passed spooky season. Mm-hmm. So, like, I imagine that's why we're thinking of, like, let's just make this a fucking haunted house at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so amazing. So good. Anyways, I digress. That's that one. What do we got next? Next. Next up is the Ogre Howda. <laughs> Sorry, say that one more time. <laughs> the Ogre Howda. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go again. <laughs> this is when Adam takes his glasses off and rubs his eyes. One hundred The Ogre Howda. These are essentially mounts for multiple creatures. So like we talked about, other creatures using it as an ally, but then as essentially like a, a, a mount. Yeah. Um, 
It's it's really cool. So they essentially have a wooden platform strapped to its back. And it was designed by um, hobgoblins. And it can hold four small humanoids Mm. on the back. So I just keep thinking of, like, the Oliphants from Lord of the Rings. I keep going to Lord of the Rings and all of these. It's a Lord of the Rings um, day for you. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, where, you know, it strolls in above, you know, the the masses of other creatures that are in battle. And then it has just a mountain of creatures on top of it. And it's just... Beating the strides, moving through battle. Yeah. So most often you'll see it with four goblins okay. sitting atop of it. And they will have ranged weapons like bows or spears. And we'll <laughs> be fighting from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ogre howda has a breastplate to give it an AC of 13. And has the same AC we've been talking about like around like 60. And has 40 feet of movement. Yeah. So, again, highest stats are strength and con. The others are meh. Uh, 60-foot dark vision, common, and giant as languages. Their challenge rating is 2, however, because they really are... They're not. They're not the combatants. They're more, they're there for the muscle. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. there as mounts, and they're there to carry the creatures that are attacking. That are doing the attacking. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so... It carries creatures, but those creatures can use the ranged weapons. If they use melee weapons, though, even if a target is within five feet of the ogre, they need to use weapons that have a ten-foot reach because they are up on this platform that's strapped to the ogre's back. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting thing. So you'll see, like, they'll have spears or something like that if they're trying to do a melee attack from atop this ogre. Those creatures will have three-quarters cover against attacks and effects due to the fort that's around this platform. So -hmm. they'll be able to duck down. Like, it'll be harder to hit them because they'll have this, like, cover and they're up above everything else. Um, It can defend itself and make attacks. It carries a mace. So it will do 2d6 plus 4 bludgeoning damage. Um, but I honestly don't think it will unless it's directly under attack. Its job is to move forward in attack, and it's the creatures on its platform that are actually doing all of the melee attacking and ranged attacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. I feel like, again, it's one of those things that players might not expect. Yeah. They might see the lumbering overcoming and see there's something on its back and then realize there's four creatures that are going to attack from it, let alone itself if it wants to. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. There's a few differences in Mordenkainen's Presents Monsters of the Multiverse. Wow, that's such a mouthful. It's a mouthful. Thanks. MPMM. (laughs) MPMM. Uh, so I'll highlight those because I actually think it wouldn't, it, personally, it wouldn't change the way I play it, but they are notable. Okay. So they have switched out the mace for a shield. So it increases the AC from 13 to 15, mm-hmm. but the hit point stays the same. Okay. So it, I think it really uh, emphasizes that this is 
amount is essentially like that's its job. It's not a combatant. Yeah, it's really taking the the strength and the bolstering out of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it just swaps the mace with its ability to do a fist attack, which mm-hmm. you have talked about as well. Uh, and interestingly enough, the uh, fist attack and the mace has the same like attack bonus and the same damage. <laughs> So Fuck it yeah. actually doesn't change what its a, its attack abilities by not having the mace anymore, and okay. then it has the shield. Uh, so it makes sense to me because this ogre is actually not a combat ogre, uh, it, and for it to have a bit more AC for to protect itself while it's carrying uh, the humanoids it's carrying. Yeah, it, it makes sense to me. Yeah. So it didn't really lose anything there, and I would probably prefer to play it that way anyway. Hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I think that, like, um, it's interesting to think from a combat perspective. I think the, the easiest thing to think is that, that these are utilized in war, and there's four or five of them in a row, which has four different characters on each of their backs, which means for each playable space, you now have four people. Yeah. So as a DM... If you want to make something a little bit more tough and scary, again, give it a scary weapon. The scary weapon is you're now fighting five things instead of one. Yeah. In the same amount of space. Yeah. Basically. And I think you as a DM could get creative with what you put on its back. Yes. They can, they, all they have to be is small. Yeah. Yeah. So you could do this with uh, kobolds. You could do this with like mm-hmm. any other small base kind of creature that you would put into battle or would have a reason to go into battle they convince these ogres to come out and do their thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, gnomes as well. Like, yeah. Depending on the terrain you're in, mm-hmm. you could switch out what's on top. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yo! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I feel like we're back now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I feel like we took a break from all the dick jokes and the sex jokes, and then we're just... We did. Now we're just... We're just slipping it in. Hey, yo! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but we're not done, are no, we, Megan? No, I mean, There's we never are, more. are we? <laughs> There's multiple rounds to go. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about how many of those. So I like um, the next one we're going to talk about, which I feel is very thematic to what we just spoke about, is called the Bolt Launcher. <laughs> Launch them bolts. Launch them bolts. <laughs> um, so the Bolt Launcher mm-hmm. is an ogre that carries a giant crossbow. Again, Make it scarier, give it a weird weapon. So if you're afraid to get close to an ogre because it's scary in its strength, uh, let's give it a ranged ability. Yeah. It's like, scratch all that, but wait, there's more. more. Uh, That javelin you thought was scary, mm, here's a giant crossbow for you. So the imagery here is that the bolts for this weapon are so large that they can only carry about half a dozen pieces of ammunition at one time. As a large creature. However, if they run out... They are known to uproot tree trunks to launch instead. Wow. So they can literally just, like, load this sucker up with whatever the fuck they find. Like, yeah. Like, um, I'm thinking, like, fence posts or they'll just start ripping down. Beams the, of houses yeah. or, like, you know what I mean? And just, like, sh- you know, shove it in their machine and just, like, launch her <laughs> off, you know? <laughs> There's no stopping it. No stopping it. Uh, they're considered a large giant, of course, um, that are chaotic evil. Uh, They do wear hide armor, but still only bolsters them to an AC of 13, which I think is a little bit higher than the average we've been talking about recently. Um, 
But I mean, it, and again, these things seem like their AC seems small, but I don't think they care. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to, they're, I feel like they're not smart enough to want to be like, give me more armor. You know what yeah. I mean? They're just going to be like, whatever, I'm going into battle. Who gives a shit? Yeah. My strength is my strength. Mm-hmm. They're similar to a classic ogre where there's, again, their strength and their con are their highest stats. And of course, intelligence being in the tank. <laughs> uh, they can speak common and giant though. Um, but of course, similar to the previous one you spoke about, their CR is two. Okay. So these can be kind of brought face to face with your party early on. It was it's basically just you it would suck to get hit by its fucking bolts. Right. So it is a plus three to hit, uh, but it has a range of 120 feet. Yeah, that was my question, was what's the range? 120. Yeah. Not a disadvantage. Oh boy. 120 yeah. feet at a, a regular attack. Yeah. So I don't think that they're smart enough to be able to see you from that far away. But again, if you're looking at a battlement or an army or if it's being run or ruled by something, it'd be like, shoot your bolt in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. Or there'll be like some slightly more intelligent creature like instructing it where it is, you know? Yeah. Like, shoot! Like holding it. Yeah. (laughs) Go! (laughs) But again, it's a plus three to hit and it is an average of 17 damage, which at tier one to two can be kind of scary. Because yeah. I think if even, like, um, I'm looking at a monk, and we're in tier one right now, and my monk only has, like, what? Like, I think, like, 45, 50 hit points? Yeah. So a bolt that on average hits at 17, and you're 120 feet away, it's going to take you a couple of rounds to get there, and you're going to be taking hits. Yeah. Because so, that is its only move. Yep. <laughs> and then when you get close to it, of course, it can hit with its fists. But its fists are a plus six to hit with an average of nine damage. So even, yeah, even though it has like a ranged weapon, it's still going to hit you pretty hard with a punch if you get too close to it. Yeah. Does it uh, require an action to reload or is it able to nope. just, it loads it, just it, it literally in the book says it loads as fast as I think, and I think it was like as a gnome loads a crossbow or something like that. Okay. So yeah, it just, every round, every turn, it will shoot one. Yeah. So there is no reload time. Oh, right. That can be detrimental pretty fast. So the only difference from this one from the Mordenkind's multiverse is that it just confirms that it has a proficiency bonus of plus two. Okay. That was like the only information that was added. Otherwise, its stat block is very exactly the same, mm-hmm. um, and its description is pretty much exactly the same. Uh, but I don't think there's really much more needed in this one. Again, I feel like it's another battlement structure. Use it in a fucking labyrinth where it's one direction hallway of only Ooh. five feet wide. Yep. So it sees you come around the corner, you look down this long cavern that's like, what, 120 feet? It sees you poke your head around the corner. <laughs> it fucking launches a sucker at you, you know, from 120 feet away. And you don't even know what it is. No. Because, like, you're just like, what? Oh! <laughs> you would not think it's an ogre. No. And, like, ever. how scary would it be to try and run down that hallway when you know that these things are going to be coming flying at you? <laughs> and 120 feet. So you're doing multiple rounds and not getting anywhere. Yeah. Like you're not making it to what it's like, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> even even a bolstered again, even as a bolstered monk in our campaign at tier one, my my highest speed unarmored is sixty. Right. And that's still two rounds for yeah. my character to get to that to, to get there. Yes. And so if you, you if you double move, you can't even say do a dodge action just be like in case there's another one coming. Mm-hmm. You just if you need to get there, then you're just you're just exposed. Yep, you're and sitting yourself, there right? hoping, mm-hmm. <laughs> hoping for a poor roll. And at the same time, it's not going to in my mind. Even if in that scenario, like let's say like our campaign, we have we my monk character and another character that can run really fast. 
Myself and that character would run right up to it. But it would see that there is a fucking mage and or cleric sitting at the end of the hallway. It's going to prioritize shooting a bolt at that. Mm-hmm. more than it's going to prioritize punching its immediate threat. Yeah. yeah. It will let you just try and hack away at it. Yeah. And you guys aren't the ones that are going to do major damage like a barbarian no, or a fighter. No, it's the slow-ass barbarian that's going to take four <laughs> rounds to get down the hallway. Yeah. Right? So, anyways, fucking frightening yes. from a combat perspective, depending on how For you sure. use it again. Like, I feel like in an open field, it's a little bit different because you can run around and do its thing. It's not kind of like... The um the one that has the ability that if you try to run past it, it's going to get you. Like, it's... Yeah, for sure. But I can see it, too, if it is fortifying your castle. Yeah. And you have it, say, all along the wall, mm-hmm. along the top, and, like... Those with, are your archers, right? Yeah, yeah, those are your archers instead of regular archers. You... And you, you don't have your trebuchet, like, scenario. <laughs> I love how we go immediately to medieval battle. <laughs> Where's my trebuchet? Yes, foreshadowing. <laughs> but, like, have a couple dozen of those lining the top. Yep. Like, that That will be intimidating, and that will be crushing. Oh, fuck yeah. Running across a fucking battlefield, and a tree trunk launches itself into the ground in front of you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be frightened <laughs> of that. I'd have, like, a moment. I'd be like, well, I'm going home. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, this is not just a folly of arrows. I this is an issue. not sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. I am a gnome. <laughs> Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> yeah, those are them. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And again, we're going into sharp, pointy objects being ranged attacks instead of rocks. We are, we have left rocks behind. Yeah, rocks are old. Like, what the fuck Old news. Rocks? Yeah. <laughs> old as giants are, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What do we have next? All right. Taking it home, we have the Ogre Goblin Hucker. Sounds great. Sounds with gross. With an H. With an H. Okay. <laughs> would it be? <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I just want you to say it out loud, Casey. No. <laughs> Not on a recording. I mean, record <laughs> Alright. Go on. Okay. Ogre, Ogre Goblin Hucker. I remember Adam throwing this at us in a session. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the amount of joy he had on his face when he was presenting this to us is still concerning. Yeah. I, I vividly remember it. He was so excited to use this. Oh, I can imagine. So, ogre goblin huckers have a trebuchet <laughs> strapped to their back. Yeah. Yeah. I used it for a reason earlier. <laughs> trebuchet. Trebuchet. Another uh, hobgoblin invention. Actually, maybe I screwed up, and this is the one that has the hobgoblin inven- invention, not the uh, the wooden platform. I digress. Uh, They'll come at you in the comments. <laughs> yes, they'll be like, "You're wrong, Casey." Bitch. It's fine. <laughs> um, so this contraption was built only for ogres, and for those of you. Perhaps wanting to loot a dead ogre goblin hucker, you can actually unstrap it and take the trebuchet. Um, you must be a large size creature, but you can then wield it 
and don like don it. Okay. In our current campaign, are you considered a large? No. No. Because you're a what is your um? I'm a loxodon. So you could like magically make you a large size, That's true. or if you had a large size creature yeah. in your party, uh, you could then don this. It would take you ten minutes to put it on, but yeah. it can be switched. Yeah. Um. So there's the sling in the trebuchet that can hurl rocks. Yeah. Vats of flaming oil, as you do in combat. Mm-hmm. But it's actually designed to hurl goblins wearing spiked helmets. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yes. And as such, it will do piercing damage. Uh-huh. Um, and the goblin rarely survives. You know what? It's, Checks out. It's adventure. Yeah. It's throwing the thrust into the fray. Yeah. Um, so, nonetheless, the goblins that are tasked with... Um, going into the Ogre Goblin Hucker, line up with their spiked helmets on, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, willingly prepare for their launch into nothingness. I, I really, again, I'm just stuck on Lord of the Rings, but I feel like this should have been a thing somehow <laughs> in the storyline. Just, they had trebuchets, they did do orcs, but, well, orc trolls. Um, they had goblins. It's like, it, it was there. So, like, and like there was a thing in the labyrinth, weirdly enough, because I was talking about labyrinths. Labyrinth. <laughs> labyrinth I? Um, I have no idea. Labyrinths. <laughs> Anyways. Um, at the very end, when they get to the castle, the battle that happens to get into the castle, they don't have, like, these ogres that have the catapults on their back that shoots goblins with spiked helmets, but they have trebuchets. That shoot goblins with spiked helmets on them. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's all I could think of, was that they would yeah. load them up with, like, these, like, actual living beings. Yeah. That would be yeeted into battle. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, they weren't on the backs of ogres, like we're talking about here, but, like, I like, I think that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh, that's all I could think about. So, yes, you're, Lord, exactly you're in Lord of the Rings world I'm this totally, episode. I'm totally, totally. I am in Goblin King Labyrinth <laughs> world right now. So, uh, I love this for us. Yeah. Gosh. It's so good. Uh, so, <laughs> just, again, as fodder, thinking goblins, they're just goblins, there's hundreds of them, you know, the morality side of this, it's like, you're just, you are, you're ammo at this point. Oh so, my god, they probably won't even know that they're ammo, they just go in with spiked helmets. Yeah, they're just handed a spiked helmet, like, put this on, go in this line. <laughs> yeah, and then it's just an ogre picking these things up, putting in a strawberry and launching them. Yeah, and it gets even better, because... The ogre um, has to use the loading as an action, Mm -hmm. and it actually can't reach to fill it, so it will just tell (laughs) the goblin, climb up and get it. (laughs) So, like, get in! (laughs) Do you have to make a persuasion check for that at all? Uh, You could. (laughs) Yep. So if they're willing, they will just climb, sc- scamp on up and hop in the bucket. I'm just going to scooch on in here. It's going to be a good time. <laughs> and then the next round, the, like, the ogre oh, as an action no. will just boop. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> and away we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Fuck. So, yeah. <laughs> if we get into the stats of this, again, the range... At not disadvantage is 150 feet. Fuck yeah. And 600 
feet. Like for the disadvantage. At disadvantage. <laughs> That's crazy. So again, you will you will experience the womp yeah. <laughs> of a pierced talent before you even realize what's going on. 100%, yeah. Uh, so if you don't use a goblin with a spiked helmet on and just some other object, it's 2d4 bludgeoning damage, mm-hmm. but it's 4d4 piercing damage with a goblin with a spiked helmet. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, regardless if it's a hit or a miss, the goblin will take 1d6 bludgeoning damage per 10 feet it travels. So she did. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a squash squish it's a, scenario. Yeah, it's a yeah suicide mission. It is yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah. They do say that the max damage is twenty d six. It's like okay, once we get past that, like <laughs> just don't. I love it. I love it so much. Yes, so good, and I can totally understand why. If this works into your campaign, the moment it's gonna come up is just like yes. Again, I'm just imagining, like, you suddenly having a dead goblin in a spiked helmet land beside you. And you're like, where the fuck did that come from? (laughs) Or, like, yeah, you put up your shield, and then you hear the whack, and then you've just got, like, the remnants of a dead goblin hanging off your shield with a spiked helmet stuck in it. Yeah, and as, like, a DM, you can do an NPC to play that out. Right? Ooh. Like, let's say you, like, so you don't have to have your party get hit by it. Yeah. But you have, like, maybe you're traveling with someone that's carrying a shield, sword and shield with them, yeah. right? And then all of a sudden, like, you're walking into the field of battle or just, like, through the forest and all of a sudden, like, watch out! And they throw their shield up <laughs> and a spiked helmeted <laughs> goblin gets lodged into your NPC's yeah. shield and you're like, ah, uh, <laughs> fuck? Question yeah. mark? Like, yeah. Yeah. Or, like, in a shield wall scenario i love we gotta go back to oh my god we gotta go back tribute to to vikings way back when how do we not (laughs) just shield wall you're thinking you're thinking it's gonna be just a folly of arrows you know you know that sound you know the sound when it hits your shield and then it's like (laughs) it's just like all these weird sounds (laughs) you're like does it sound right and then you look and it's like (laughs) carnage (laughs) It's like, ah, oh, what the fuck? Like, he said that, like, it was a mu- musical. Carnage. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Holy like, shit. so good. Oh, my God. Or, like, you're in your shield wall, and then the spiked helmet goblin hits the shield, but then a pool of blood is on the ground. Oh, yes. And then your cleric's like, oh, my God, are you hurt? Yes. And then you're like, no, that's not mine. <laughs> it's like, I don't know where that's from. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, a very clever and interesting thing, and it's actually, I will mention it's in Storm King's Thunder, is where oh, you'll okay. find more info on this and the particulars where you might encounter it, Yeah, but you gotta use this elsewhere. You can throw it in anywhere. You can make it up. It's fine. Again, ogre, <laughs> like we've talked so many at length that ogres are so versatile, so common in every form of culture within D&D that you can use them anywhere. I think that what we're trying to determine today is how to make them scarier. Is yes. Give them a weird fucking weapon. Yeah. Right? But yeah, before we wrap up, any final thoughts on on these four? Which one's your favorite? Uh, on these five, actually. It's hard to beat a goblin hucker. I, you know what? I think we landed <laughs> on a strong note. Yeah. Like, goblin hucker is pretty hard to, like, uh, you know? Like, live ammunition. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that one. But I mean, from a role-playing standpoint, I feel like the funnest one to play would be, um, which one was the one that was carrying the, like, carrying the four, the howda? Oh, yeah, the howda. Yeah. I can imagine, like, the role-playing aspect of that. I was like, this is just my job. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just like, I don't really want to do this, but this is just my job. So that is the character that your team would fall in love with. Yeah. And want to rescue from these four things that it's carrying on its back. And at the end, it's not dead. Totally. And it's like, I didn't want to hurt you, I promise. I'm just being told what to do. Yeah. In, like, yeah. the aftermath, you find it, like, huddling underneath, like, the broken wooden platform and all of the creatures are dead around it, but it's still alive. Yeah. It's like, well... Yeah, this is how you get ogres on your teams, guys. Yeah. As players, talk to your ogres, perhaps, maybe. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, love it. All right, well, that's all for this very giant winter special episode on the ogre variants of the fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Stay tuned next week when we discuss the very bottom of the ordning in our last episode for this season. Oh, man. Sad. Uh, Every time. So sad, yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this special episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we have a donate button on our website, www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard here today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash It's a Mimic. For other episodes on other kinds of monsters, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This episode is going to focus on the variations of ogres in D&D 5th edition. That sh- that should f- fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh shit. It, it, it starts early. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm okay with the underperformance, you know? Mm-hmm. Works for me. <laughs> No one's going to know. How are they going to know, Casey? How are they going to know? They're never going to know. This is not how we plan to do this. (laughs) They're never going to know. Boom. Okay, bye.